You're listening to Irish Radio Canada at Home and Abroad, and we always try to keep an, abreast of some of the relationships that are going on on a business level between Ireland and Canada, or Canada and Ireland, which is the Maple Leaf and the Shamrock. And the Ireland Canada Business Association recently uh, penned an article and they wanted to get into some Canadian publications. The Maple and the Shamrock, why more Canadian companies are choosing Ireland as their natural European base. And Chris Connett is here with me. Chris lives in Dublin, but is a good Ottawa boy. So he is both the Maple and the Shamrock in every respect of the word. And uh, out down in uh, the south side of Dublin, lovely part. And he tells me he has a little boat down Dunlira. So um, I'm going to use my analogy, Chris. It's over to you and you can paddle your own canoe. Tell me about the Maple. <laughs> the Maple Leaf and the Shamrock. Well, that's um, two um, unbelievably beautiful emblems that you could make envision while having this conversation. Um, yeah, look, I'm Canadian um, and I live here in Ireland and I've lived here for about 15 years. As they say, I like to say I'm here for, for love and not money. My wife's Irish and we met when she was studying in Canada. I ended up coming over here. Uh, I'm chair right now of the Ireland Canada Business Association, which is the representative body of over a hundred businesses or companies doing business between the two countries. Um, about 75 of which are Canadian companies with operations in Ireland which uh, employ somewhere around 15,000 people in the country. And um, I suppose I'm I'm not only on my chair of the association, I'm living the the Irish Canada business life each day because I I work as a director, as a vice president of corporate development for Think Research, which is a Canadian digital health company, which actually recently acquired a Irish uh, pharmacy technology company, Pharmapod, and I also am a consultant to Irish law firm Philip Lee, where I advise them on FDI, uh, foreign direct investment, into Ireland. And I suppose, as you'd know, Austin, you, you know, um, employment is is a huge driver in any country, um, and no more so than in Ireland, um, where we've seen the, the tremendous work of the IDA over the last 40 years, really revolutionize and modernize the, the Irish economy and making it a, 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 a tremendous destination and landing point for all sorts of companies around the world to, to trade into Europe, but in particular, North American companies and specifically Canadian companies. Um, I noted there's about 75 Canadian companies op- with operations here in Ireland, uh, they, we say, represent or employ about 15,000 people. Um, but the exports um, coming out of Ireland to Canada uh, support another 25,000 employees. And so that combined footprint of uh, inward investment jobs and um, export uh, jobs is very significant here for, for the country. Um, and I suppose in recent, in recent years, because of Brexit, um, We've seen Canadian companies take a second look at what uh, at Ireland as their destination, um, and I think it's due to in some respects Brexit, due to some respects to the um, the tech talent here and the tech footprint here of some of the, the world's biggest tech companies, but also um, the, the the common legal system, the common um, language. 
And of course, uh, geographically, Ireland and Canada are the closest, uh, or Ireland is the closest European nation to Canada. Uh, so direct, there are a number of direct flights, and it's easy for business executives to get back and forth between the two countries. Not only that, I would think, unlike you mentioned Brexit, but there is a softer commonality in our persona between the Irish and the Canadian. Um, and by that, I mean, like, the, the Americans are a bit more brash. And, well, uh, you know, that it's easier for the Irish and the Canadians kind of to bond in many ways as human beings. Well, that's right. I wouldn't want to call the Americans brash, but perhaps I could say that in some respects, uh, Canada is to the U.S. what Ireland is not the U.K. And we're very much the sometimes the um, like living next. It's like as former Prime Minister uh, Pierre Trudeau said, it's like living next to um, an elephant. Um, you're affected by every grunt and snarl and movement or whatever he did say. Um, I think also, though, for Canadians, uh, the, the, the culture is important. Uh, but for Irish people, I think Canada provides an easier landing point into North America than the U.S. and perhaps a more bite-sized uh, economy and market to test their products into. And I think that's been some of the reason for the Canadian and the Irish investment in Canada anyway, over the last couple of years. The other thing I would think is both countries also suffer from the same problem. And that is that the Irish mentality sees North America as the USA. Mm. And Canada sees doesn't Ireland is a very small blot on the map in a way in the Canadian psyche. So that here you have two relatively quiet places that perform an ideal partnership. That, that's right. And they're two, let's remember, two export-oriented economies as well. Uh, you know, Canada has, has, has probably more trade, international trade agreements now with trading blocks around the world than any other uh, company. Uh, country and Ireland, for its own sake of survival, has had to learn how to be an export-driven uh, co- uh, country. Um, but I suppose even looking at the last couple of, I mean, uh, when I started getting involved in the Ireland Can Business Association about five years ago, there were trickling of news stories out. But I can actually can't even keep up with the amount of times I've heard of investments taking place between the two countries. And even in the last, even since Christmas, we saw Canadian unicorn Clearco announced that it would um, invest $100 million into Irish e-commerce startups. Uh, both Neat Solutions, which is an Irish cur- uh, firm based in Limerick, and um, Revolve, uh, an, an, an Irish energy firm listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange. Uh, we saw Brookfield Asset Management, which is one of uh, it's Canada's largest um, asset manager, uh, invest a billion dollars to acquire Irish property firm Hibernia. Uh, we've seen Telus International, which of course no, needs no introduction to your Canadian Irish listeners, uh, will create an additional 300 jobs and invest two million in new facilities here, and then. Um, just after Christmas, McCain Foods, which of course is the, the world's largest frozen food company, in, in announced a 55 million euro investment into frozen vegetables uh, food company, Strong Roots, which is actually just based in Ranala, and believe it or not, right next to my daughter's uh, dance school, and so I, I, I park outside their offices uh, every Thursday evening, um, and 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 that's just the last couple of months, and of, and. Um, 
and I suppose I could rhyme off over the last couple of years, literally dozens of, of companies that have set up here in Ireland and have de- and decided to, um, to, to make it its home for, for Europe. Uh, one in particular, Greenfield Global, which creates it's Canada's largest developer and producer of ethanol, invested $30 million in a facility in Port Leash, uh, which has been a real, um, a, a, a real great investment for that area of the country. And I guess the other big surprise was we've just come through two years of where business and economies were grinding to a standstill. And I was blown away, as you just said, like even since Christmas, at the number of announcements of Canadian companies establishing or expanding in Ireland. And even if the six months prior to that, during what were times of great stress on economies, that there was this growth happening in this sector, uh, which was against, seemed to be totally against the current. You're right. And I mean, look, uh, a lot of traditional industries got hit with COVID. Uh, the hospitality industries, um, restaurants, um, some manufacturing. Uh, um, but, you know, on the knowledge-based economy side and uh, the tech side of things, I mean, you know, things just moved online. and There were just too many Zoom calls to, to, to keep track of in a day. And it would seem that, the, that, that things just kept ticking over. And, in fact, you know, I, I think the end of 2020, we saw things dive a little. There was only um, Bath Fitter, which was a Canadian uh, leading, ba- Canada's leading bathroom refurbishment company, um, announced the establishment of its EU operations in Limerick. Um, but then in, in, in 21, I mean, I saw a huge number of different uh, deals that took place between the two countries. Um, the, the, believe it or not, a Manitoba-based and FI Group was awarded a contract to provide 45 electric buses to the National Transportation Authority in Ireland uh, with a provision to uh, provide another 155 electric buses over the next five years. Emerald Airlines, um, which had taken over from um, uh, I have the name wrong. Stalwart Air, Stewart Air, uh, which is a regional Aer Lingus uh, provider, um, a- announced um, it would it would it would be financing some of its aircraft through Chorus Aviation Capital, which is a, a large Canadian uh, uh, aviation lessor. Uh, the, the key brothers of County Tyrone um, announced a one billion dollar um, sale of their uh, online and machinery brokerage firm Euro Auctions to uh, Canadian pair Ritchie Brothers, and there is a number of smaller um, tech announcements, including um, a. a Canadian drone company called Xenatech, which um, announced it would create 30 jobs in Galway. Enware, uh, which is a business uh, application software company for Quebec, announced it would be o- opening its European headquarters in Leash. Um, and Black Square, a global in, uh, exper- uh, global um, company, global headquarters would be opening. Uh, up a place in Dublin, sorry, a, a, a Calgary-based um, company would be opening up a, a, um, uh, a facility in Dublin. So you are seeing a number of, um, of transactions that have taken place over the last two years despite COVID. And, Chris, the other thing I suppose would be that I know there was a big push a few years ago to increase the number of direct flights 
between Canada and Ireland. And the argument always was that uh, it was difficult to, to do the type of business expansion that's necessary to both countries if you don't have direct flights. And I suppose in hindsight, what has shown is that when those direct flights were introduced, uh, that it has sustained itself and that it has greatly helped the business community to build those bridges. No doubt. And look, um, my predecessor, a few chair persons ago at the ICBA, Maliki Smith, who you probably know, was very um, adamant and, and active in advocating for direct flights. And, you know, look, in the lead up to COVID, we saw direct flights from Calgary, from <clears throat> Toronto, from Montreal, and from Vancouver, and and, and also for a time from uh, St. John's, Newfoundland. Um, and so there's no question, uh, if you can jump on a, a plane and you're in Dublin from Toronto in, you know, five and a half, six hours sometimes, it, it makes it all that easier. Uh, and in fact, um, I, know, I believe the um, Premier of Nova Scotia is uh, going to be coming over here um, next uh, next week. And I think one of the reasons is to talk about some new flights between, I think, Halifax and um and Ireland on WestJet. So, look, I mean, I suppose, you know, you have to have a transportation, the ability to, to, to shift between the two countries. But the fact that, you know, the geography is close uh, helps with that in that regard. And I also know that at this time, there's this, um, I won't say move, but there's a perception that because of COVID, we've all got comfortable on Zoom. And that doing business on Zoom and meeting on Zoom is all fine. But you and I know that you can't beat shaking somebody's hand and going off to have dinner with somebody and building that actual personal rapport that is needed with the travel. Sure, exactly. In fact, I was having a conversation with a gentleman yesterday just with regards to that. You can't beat sitting down having a pint with somebody. I mean, no. that's the reality. And I can tell you, uh, if 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 you were going to pick a place in, in the world to go and have a pint with somebody, Ireland would be right up there. So from that perspective and building and building, building the relationships uh, over a drink and over uh, food, I, I think um, Ireland has a, a lot to offer. And I should say, I think a lot of the success um, is due because of the cultural relationship between two countries, Let, let's let's not get it wrong. Um, but also, both governments have invested significantly in the relationship in many in, in over the, the past couple of years. I, I should highlight, you know, that that um, the Department of Foreign Affairs, uh, Ireland's Department of Foreign Affairs, had a, a North American. Um, the strategy, I think, that took us to 2025. And for the first time in it, I believe there was really a, a separate section that was cordoned out for Canada. And I know they had put a, 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 for the first time, there was a deputy director responsible for Canada within the North American uh, portfolio in, in, in foreign affairs. And if you look at the investment that the Ireland has made into Canada over the last four years, I mean, there's no question why you have uh, investment coming back from companies into Ireland. You've got obviously Ireland's uh, embassy in Ottawa. Um, you had the embassy also announce a um, new uh, a new consulate in Vancouver for the first time, possibly because it seems every young person on their 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 their, their visitors visa or their their travel visa wanted to go to Vancouver. Um, there was there there the, the, the 
Irish Embassy is announcing another concert or has announced another concert will will, will be placed in Toronto. You've got uh, Enterprise Ireland, which has always had an office in Toronto, also recently announced a office in um, uh, Montreal. And then, of course, you've got the the Industrial Development Agency, the IDA, which is invested in an office in Toronto. Um, and so really, I mean, now look, uh, hopefully we can perhaps get a government of Ireland uh, outpost in, in Atlantic Canada too, which would be a natural home given how many Atlantic Canadians have Irish background. But, you know, you basically have a footprint of Irish government reps right across Canada. And, and that's important. It, uh, you know, that's important for outreach. That's important. And, and it just goes to show that Team Ireland, as they call it, really works. So, Chris, the public perception, and that's, while it's irrelevant on one level, it's important on another level. Uh, the public perception would still be overshadowed in Ireland with the UK and Europe and, Nor- and America. And um, do you believe or, or do you, have you seen that over the last three, four years and even over the last year that the Canadian relationship and the awareness of it has increased in Ireland? There's, there's no question. Um, uh, look, we ha- we host uh, events regularly as an organization. Um, in fact, we'll be hosting our annual Maple Leaf Dinner um, again in person for the first time in obviously two years. And uh, on Tanist, um Leo Vradkar will be speaking at that. Uh, there's no question that you know, it does, it, it's not a, a week or two go by that the Irish Independent or the Irish Times don't cover a story about a Canadian company opening in Ireland. Um, and of course, um, you know, the, the, the ratification of the comprehensive and economic trade agreement between the two countries, um, is something that's been at the forefront of Irish public affairs for the last year or so. Um, it, it I think that we are, Canada as perhaps being seen um, in certain a heightened, heightened from a heightened reputational standpoint than perhaps it was before. And look, let's be honest, it's always difficult to compete with the United States. They're a behemoth and they mm. have their 700 American companies that are set up here. But, um, you know, we're not really trying to, Canada's not trying to compete with the U.S. Um, but, you know, we're just trying to make sure we carve out our own our own niche and our own ability to influence uh, the Irish, the, the, the Irish psyche, I suppose. So looking to the future, um, are, is there much more in the pipeline that you're aware of or given that the people you're dealing with on the consultants level and all the rest, um, there's more coming down the pipe? I can guarantee you there'll be more coming down the pipe, but obviously I can't, I can't, no, I, I, can't yeah. I, I can't, I, I can't disclose any, any business dealings that I'm been having, but I yeah. can again. I know that the IDA has a strong pipeline of potential companies, Canadian companies, looking at Ireland for further investment, and uh, that just goes to the the amount of hard work and dedication and um, that 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 they serve the country with, um, and, and and how well they have helped position Canada or sorry Ireland internationally as a place for foreign direct investment. Chris Colnett, it's been a real pleasure catching up with you, and I want to thank you for taking the time. Uh, well done on all the work you guys are doing over there and uh, increasing the awareness of the relationship and also helping the, uh, establish within the Canadian psyche, helping establish that Ireland is a suitable landing point to access Europe. Chris, thanks a million for taking the time. Thank you very much, Austin. All the best.